Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Red and White Authority brought to you by Labatt Blue. And I hope all of you spent your holidays drinking cold, frothy Labatt Blues. I know you did. Oh, oh yeah, I did. You oh, know I did. Oh, Responsibly, question. though. Without question. Now, and, and for such a little uh, person, you really pack it away. So <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, great. That That's going to be my new... Uh, Everybody's going to think I, I just drink way well, too much. Well, that's why the Thank Red Wings you, have Art. accepted you so much. You're a big drinker. <laughs> <laughs> do, I do love a good, cold, frothy Labatt Blue. Who doesn't? Who of doesn't? course. Of course. All right. Holiday edition, New Year edition of the Red and White Authority. So today we're going to look back at some of our favorite moments of 2023, Red Wings moments. And I'm going to go first, Art. I'm taking the liberty of going first. Please I do. hope you don't mind. No, ladies first. Okay. I went straight back to Montreal. The Red Wings actually let Montreal get back into that game and force overtime, which, uh, you know, has been, has been a common theme. <laughs> but yes. beside the point, there was a phenomenal moment from Jake Wallman. Let's listen in. Wallman keeps it alive. Now to Larkin over to Wallman. Left circle. Blasting the shot. He scores! Jake Wallman delivers for Detroit. 54 seconds into overtime. And the Red Wings defeat the Canadians 5-4. The best part was the Selly, though. Ken's always got a great call. We know that's coming right, no right. matter what. But Jake Wallman, known for the gritty, he did it against Pittsburgh last year when he scored an overtime game winner. So he repeats the Selly in Montreal. And then we got to see his gritty bobblehead like the next day. It's like yeah, he knew. It was so perfect. It was so perfect. And that bobblehead's cool, too. Really cool. Really yeah, it's cool. Really, really nice. What did you think of 2023? What moments stand out to you? Well, anytime Mo Sider's on the ice is a highlight for me, as you know, because <laughs> I'm Mo obsessed. Uh, secondly, though, it's not exactly an on-ice moment, although he has contributed on ice. And I don't think you can really have a Ken Cal call because it would go something like, Patrick Kane's picking up the pen. Steve's handing him the contract. He signs it. That was way too high pitched for Ken Kell. That's like almost <laughs> insulting. <laughs> but Ken, Ken knows what I'm doing. <laughs> that was a terrible Ken Kell impression. My voice is kind of all over the road today too. I don't know what's going on. But but seriously, I, I think the signing of Patrick Kane is uh, is without question a, a highlight moment. Uh, number one, I've watched him play hockey for so many years, but. When you see him game in and game out like we do now, and I know he's 35 years old and coming off hip uh, resurfacing surgery, which is uh, you know a major thing and you know kind of cutting edge surgery for a hockey player right now, but he's good. You can tell why he could go down as the greatest American-born player ever, and I really think what we're also witnessing is just a little bit of an adjustment period that the Red Wings have to get used to him because he's going to make the play. You just have to be in the right position to receive the puck. Yeah, he looks great. And we talked at length about how risky it was signing a player that's coming off the hip resurfacing surgery. But right now he's proven everybody wrong. Well, so. I, and he, they're playing virtually every other day. And, and he's, play he's playing 20 minutes a game. And he kind of had to. He was thrown into the right. fire a little bit because of the injury situation when he started playing. But it's been really impressive. You're right. Definitely a highlight for 2023. And now you got me thinking I have to pick another one. Oh, please do. I can't wait. <laughs> I have to pick another one. His partner in crime, Alex Dabrinkit, also joining the team in 2023. And he's been electric to watch, too, finding the back of the net. You see that pure goal-scoring capability. And he already has a hat trick 
as a Red Wing. And we know it took Dylan Larkin a little while to do that as About a Red seven Wing. years, yeah. I think. Yes. <laughs> so to bring its hat trick against Calgary back in October, definitely another one of my highlights. Let's listen back to that one. Here comes Debrinket looking for the hat trick. He scores! Alex Debrinket is absolutely on fire. He's got three tonight and eight on the campaign. Art, as I mentioned, Alex Debrinket has just been the offensive dynamo. And I think last offseason, when you talked about the Red Wings, the number one complaint was we have to score goals, right? So Steve Eiserman went out, made a few moves. You mentioned the addition of Patrick Kane, too. And then you bring Alex Debrinket in in the offseason via trade. And the Red Wings have some goal scoring now, which is great to see. And they, they've had their lulls throughout the season. But for the most part, they're still one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Right. I think they're right fifth right now yeah. uh, as far as offense, which is, which is very, very good for them. Their power play is a lot better. They're a better team, really. I, I think the highlight of this year really is that they're competitive. They're fun to watch. They're in most games. And even when they – you know, have a big lead, it, they, they can surrender it quickly, which is kind of fun, I guess. You know, it's, it's dramatic. Or if they go down by three or four goals, they have the ability to come back because they can score. So all in all, it's been a pretty entertaining season, and I can't wait for the second half uh, to see uh, what the new year will bring because they're right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Well, it wouldn't be a special edition Red and White Authority without a special guest. So we're going to go to that right now. Mike Vernon joined us. He was actually in town to celebrate his Hall of Fame induction art. And I know we were all really excited to see him get that nod. And he was too. So let's get to the interview. Welcome back, everybody, to the Red and White Authority brought to you by Labatt Blue. We've got a very special guest in the building with us today. 1997 Conn Smythe winner, Stanley Cup champion with your Detroit Red Wings. And now, Hall of Famer, Mike Vernon. Mike, thank you for joining us. Not a problem. Yeah, it's exciting to have you. And as I mentioned, Hall of Famer. I want to start there, right? Where were you when you got the news? And give us your reaction. <laughs> I was at home uh, <laughs> getting the call from Lanny McDonald and uh, Mike Gardner. And my reaction was, holy, <laughs> holy <laughs> thing. Uh, and uh, that was it. And I just, uh, you know, it just, it, I still pinch myself. I don't think it's real. I think I'm still living in a dream type thing. But uh, it was very exciting, the whole process. Um, from the call to going to the Hall of Fame, spending the five days there, a uh, little nerve-wracking on the speech. But anyway, it was a great event. If anybody has a chance to get to the Hall of Fame, it's a sight to see. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place and a lot of great history. To get the call from Lanny, was that extra special since you guys are like Flames legends? <laughs> yeah, it was. I, you know... <laughs> It was weird because it came up on my phone, a 416 number conference call. I thought I was missing. I thought I had a conference call or a business <laughs> meeting of some kind that I forgot to put in my phone or something like that. So I said, I better answer this. <laughs> and it was Lanny on the other line. I'm like, okay. And he just said, is your wife there? I said, no, I'm by myself. He goes, well, welcome to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. You're Very inducted cool. or you're going to be inducted so that's how that went and uh I, yeah it's like I said it's very uh, you never you as a kid growing up you dream of 
a Stanley Cup or playing in the National Hockey League, but you never dream of the Hockey Hall of Fame because uh, that's just an untouchable thing. And if you look on the walls there, I think there's like 300 names at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And we're talking over 100 years of hockey and things like that. So it's uh, it's quite a special thing, and uh, I'm in a, a very elite group. So you said to your say wife, the least. Yeah, to <laughs> say the least. It's an amazing group to be in, a big congratulations. And you said your wife wasn't there when you got the call. Was she your first call after you got the news? No, she wasn't. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Did I just start a fight? So No, but what <laughs> I did was we have a family chat, and I – was not supposed to tell anybody. I had to wait another three hours because they wanted to do to the big press release else, in Toronto yeah. and things like that. But I text everybody and I just said, look it, you can't say anything until after three o'clock Calgary time, but I've been inducted. So there. <laughs> and that, and my next call, my first call was actually Glenn Hall, oh. who oh, played wow. for the Very Red cool. Wings. Oh, yeah, he, he, he was my coach for nine years in Calgary, and uh, he was a big advocate of me, um, challenged me, great guy, just everything. And it uh, he means the world to me, and he's, I think he's 92 right now. He's unfortunately not doing so well, but... Uh, when I get back off of this trip, I think uh, me and Al Coates are gonna another guy that was with the right. Red Wing yeah, organization. Definitely. Who wasn't? We're, I guess. we're gonna drive. <laughs> we're gonna go drive up and see Glenn and uh, and hopefully have a cold beer with him. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I had a long conversation with you at Matthew Dandino's twenty first birthday party. We were sitting at <laughs> oh the same goodness. table. Marty Lapointe picked up the whole tab. I think. Still love you, Marty. Uh, but. We had this talk, and I asked you, I said, you know, you're Mr. Calgary. You know, you're Flame. You win a cup with the Flames. You're born in Calgary. All your hockey life, much like Dylan Larkin played everything in Michigan so far, um, it, it, you might have been in Colorado for a minor league team, but mostly, and then you were, I said, was there a culture shock coming to an American franchise, leaving your hometown? And you told me a story <laughs> about things at the end were kind of a little dicey in Calgary for you. But you could handle it, but your extended family is all in Calgary, and you felt bad yeah. for them, and maybe it was time to leave. And when I heard you were a Hockey Hall of Famer, I swear to God, Mike, I thought of your extended family and how freaking happy they must be that the name Vernon is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Most definitely. Um, yeah, I could deal with the noise. My right. my parents and my family couldn't. They had four season tickets, and I said, just sell them. If you want to go to a game, <laughs> I can get you tickets and things like that. But uh, unfortunately, my mom and dad are passed away. But, uh, yeah, my whole family was down at the Hall of Fame, nephews, their kids, and things like that. So we had a, a great family uh, event down at the Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh you know, leaving leaving Calgary, I actually welcomed it because I did need a change of atmosphere. I needed to move. They say change your job every seven years, and it was nine for me. Oh, but man, I'm at seven right now. <laughs> oh, no. Sometimes it's been seven. Sometimes it's been shorter in my case. Uh, it wasn't my decision. <laughs> but it was, it was great to come to an organization that obviously original six team. They had a great team. And, you know, they were just trying to add a few pieces to the puzzle type thing. And uh, I was glad to come here. We were glad to have you here in Detroit. <laughs> let me tell you that. I want to ask you, because when you get into the Hall of Fame, there's obviously a long list of accomplishments that come with that, right? What is your accomplishment that you're most proud of? 
Oh boy. Um, I think the, I think just my, my career, the 18 or 19 years that I played in the league and the, uh, the longevity, I guess, of my career. Yeah. I think I'm quite proud of that. I'm proud of my numbers that I put up and things like that. And I've always said, uh, you know, if my numbers are fitting for the Hall of Fame, great. Then let it speak. And uh, that's what they went on, I guess. So uh, I'm just glad to be there. And uh, the longevity, I think, was uh, the biggest thing. A, a guy of my stature in things, I couldn't play in the game today. Uh, I'm a foot too short type thing. But uh, just to, to compete every night, I, I was a competitor, I guess, too, and I, I love the playoff atmosphere. And uh, those are those are the things that I was proud of. Chris Osgood has always said he's complimented every one of his uh, goaltending partners, <coughs> but you're the special one. In more reasons than one, I think. Or is I was going to say special for a variety one. Which of one? reasons. I know that, but but. You, you leave Calgary. I know Trevor Kidd's there. It, it seemed like Trevor Kidd was following you around at points in your <laughs> yeah, career. But yeah. uh, but you come here. Why did you and Ozzy mesh so well? Because you were a real partnership in tandem. Well, I think it started when I first met him, and he says, you can have your number 30. And I said, no. I said, you got drafted here. That's your number. I'll take another one, and that's fine by me. And I think he really appreciated that, and uh, I think that was important to him. It wasn't important to me. It was only a number. So, And then we're both Westerners <laughs> from Alberta, and we kind of grew up in the same kind of atmosphere and things like that, and uh, it, we're, we're easy to get along with. I don't think we're the typical goalies when you think goaltenders, you know, it's, People say, oh, Hextall and Eddie Belfer and all these guys. Yeah, and they're a little bags. different. Yeah. Ozzy and I are pretty sane, uh, level-headed people type. And uh, I think we just we, – we, we were also pushing each other to do better. Um, we, we didn't really have a goalie coach. It was just him and I. And I think we just, we talked about the game. We, you know, we, we were engaging and things like that and uh, always helpful to give any tips and vice versa. If he saw something, he would say something to me. But uh, And we smiled a lot and we laughed <laughs> and uh, and we hung out. And it's I remember his, his first house he bought in Birmingham or something like that. I think my wife furnished it for him type thing. Wow. So yeah, that's, it's just, we, we still to this day still chat and things like that. And it's, uh, no, he's just a, he's a good guy. And, uh, I was, I was blessed to have him as a, a goalie partner. Did you get to see him while you were in town for this short time? No, because Max is playing in Toronto and he oh, is in, in Toronto. Toronto this time, mm -hmm. but he was there at the hall of fame. Yeah. He did come in and, and I guess the red, a lot of the red wings were in uh, Sweden when the hall of fame oh, was yeah. on, but Ozzy did make the trek in and uh, we got to have a pop and uh, chat about things. And <laughs> so it was all good. You know, he claims that, you know, he has over 400 wins. He's not in the hall of fame. <laughs> Every July, I'm always calling him saying, this is the year, this is the year. And he says, I don't care, I don't care. And I know he cares. If the Red Wings win the Cup in 2009, he wins the Conn Smythe Trophy. He was phenomenal. 
Um, why? And I'm not. Don't mean to put you on the spot, but. He's a Hall of Fame goaltender. You're certainly a Hall of Fame goaltender. Why do you think Ozzy is not in there yet? Well, th- there's probably a lot of people that maybe should be in there or a few more people right. that should be in there that aren't in there. And y- you can names that are coming up right now are like Zetterberg and Datsuk and things. So it is not an easy thing. You need 14 votes out of 18. you got to be an advocate kind of for yourself or the organization and you've got to make a case for your for yourself I guess I didn't really do much in my case uh, the Calgary Flame organization and I know Peter Hanlon the PR guy he put together a bunch of stuff and sent it and I it was rejected my daughter wrote a letter 10 years ago or something and it, it got rejected so it's uh it it's you just you never know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, this year there was three goaltenders put in, three out of the seven were goaltenders and things like that. And it's it it will come, and I I highly recommend to be patient on it because twenty one years later I got the call. And what is nice about it? It was my kids are all old enough right. that they could really enjoy it. And so when they retired my jersey to the rafters in Calgary. I mean, I had young kids, and they don't really remember it except for the video and things. And Harvey the Hound was dragging my <laughs> my one year old Will on the ice and things just to keep him busy and sort of speak as I was giving my speech. But uh, yeah, it's look at there. There's lots of time. I'm sure he'll be there, and uh, he's got the numbers. Also, so uh, two Stanley Cups, he's 400 wins. He's got numbers that make him a very good candidate and uh, just patience. Uh, that's all he has to do. And if he gets chosen, like I think he will, it, it's going to happen for See, him. See, it's coming from a Hall of Famer, Hockey Hall of Fame. Mike <laughs> One Vernon. Hall of Famer to a future uh, Hall of I'm Famer. Not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not on the committee, but... <laughs> There's a lot of guys on that committee now that have uh, played against Ozzy, played against me, and things like that. And, you know, that are very knowledgeable hockey players and people, hockey business people. So it's, uh, you got to present your case and then it goes from there. I want to switch gears a little bit. We're looking at a current Red Wings team, and you got to witness one of the craziest games that I've watched in, in my time <laughs> they with said, hockey they said against the, the San night. Jose Sharks. A wild <laughs> second period. But, all in all, the team's ascending. They're, they're getting out of the rebuild. They're trying to get back to competing for playoff spots and Stanley Cup championships, ultimately. And you were a part of some really great Red Wings teams. So from your perspective, what makes a team a Stanley Cup contender? What were the qualities of those teams that helped you get there? Well, I think it, it starts with the character in the room um, and all the players. It's, you know, I was put into a situation where a lot of the pieces were already there. Eisenman, Fedorov, the the Russian Five, uh, you know, Nick Ledstrom, the the phenomenal players, and I was fortunate. And they might have to add maybe a few more pieces to it, but uh, Stevie's used to building a team like he did in Tampa Bay, so he knows the process he has to go through. I uh, I know it's tough at times, because people people are a little impatient, and for years they had great organization, right. you know, their dynasty. This for a lot of years here in Detroit. So, I, th- I, 
it, they're going in the right direction. I can tell you that. And they got some great young players and uh, they'll just keep adding pieces to it until that is perfected. And then you'll see probably another cup. <laughs> there are some players that you played with here in Detroit that had some, shall I say, moments with Scotty Bowman. Uh, I consider him the greatest coach in professional sport history, bar none. What was your relationship like with Scotty? Oh, I had a good relationship with Scotty. It's uh, Scotty was he he just wanted to win. The bottom line: if you weren't playing well, he'd play the other guy or things like that. And I remember one time we were in L.A. and it was Ozzy and I, and Scotty pulls us over and he says, uh, he goes, Vernon. You're awful in this building. Osgood, and you're no better. Do I have to pull up Kevin Hodson to play this game tonight? <laughs> Aussie, you're playing tonight, Vernon. You get San Jose, and I'm going, yes. <laughs> but it was, you know what? You, from, our, from Chris and I's standpoint, I think we knew where we stood with him. He was ahead, like he would always tell us, okay, look, it, you're going to be playing, you're not. But get ready and do this. And he'd keep you both. That He made you f both of us feel like we were both needed. And that, and to keep us both sharp. Because he didn't know what was going to happen and things like that. Right. And, uh, I think it was a good scenario for him to have two guys that he knew he could put in. One of us he could put in and get a good night goaltending out of them. So I, he, he had the great luxury Wherever he coached, he had a luxury. Everybody says he's the best bench coach. I said, his job was easy because he always had four great lines. <laughs> right. Always. And it was like every other coach had to adapt to him. And <laughs> Scotty, like Montreal days, he had good teams. Oh, they were Pittsburgh, fantastic. they were yeah. unbelievable. Right. So, and then they come, he's here in the Red Wings. He's got Eisenman, Fadorov, Keith Primo, and Stark. Right. Those were three centers for crying out right. loud. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to rotate those guys. <laughs> so it's, I think Scotty had it easy in a way because he could just roll with it. But he knew, I'll give him credit, he knew who to have on the ice at certain times and things like that. There's no doubt. Well, go, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, I, I can tell you I, I have something just, to say I, there. I had to talk to Scotty extensively about this Swedish series that I was writing, and he told me that his toughest job was trying to match up to make sure how could he get Guy Lafleur not against their top checking center. Yeah, he said that was basically his job was all kind of a matchup thing, and I, you know, and I look at it, but you're right. I mean, he he had. The two best teams, point-wise, until Tampa did it, in hockey history were, were his Montreal club and his Detroit club. I mean, that was uh, amazing. And a team that, uh, you know, that you're very familiar with. So, yeah, so he, most teams had one defensive line that they can put on their top line. Right. But when you have two offensive lines, or maybe three, it makes it tough, right? So he could just sit there and just, next, next. <laughs> Type thing, and they can't keep playing that one line. Well, they got right. to play their others. Well, so, when you have Sergey and Steve play together as teammates for 13 seasons together, and yep. they're the two of the top five centers in the entire world, that is a distinct advantage. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty big advantage. Yes, and, yes yeah. it is. I'm just, I'm wondering from your perspective too, just the way that the game has evolved 
in recent history and the differences you see from the NHL that you played in to the NHL today and maybe even specifically the goalie position. Well, that's, yeah. I think that's the biggest difference there. The biggest guy on the team, their equipment is light. They just, and it's, it's weird, but they don't, a lot of them are just, they go down and cover as much net as possible. I, in my day, I tried to use my tools as yeah. in my gloves and my pads and things like that. And like Ozzy did and, and, and so on. But, uh, the goaltending position is one of the biggest differences. The other one, I believe uh, uh, there's no hitting in the game. And mm. I, you watched the game last night and every game is under two and a half hours. Right. It goes quick. And it's some days in the old days, it were three and a half hour games because <laughs> of all the fighting Whistles and stuff. Whistles every five yeah, minutes. <laughs> absolutely. But it's, uh, it's the constant movement and players swinging and not finishing checks that I notice a lot of. And uh, I wish there was a little more hitting involved. Once you get hitting involved, you get a little more emotion involved. Yeah. And the competitive spirit starts oozing out. And I think that's what the fans really like. Whenever there's a skirmish or a pushing or anything else, you'll see the fans get excited. Right. So I, I wish we'd go back to a little more physicality type thing, but... Uh, I don't play anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I just, I'm just a bystander. You're, you're a fan now. You're, yeah. you're just an old-fashioned fan. The last couple of seasons, the Red Wings have had like three goalies. And this year, maybe because Vasilevsky was hurt, nobody wanted to try to get a, sneak a guy through waivers. So everyone kept <laughs> – a lot of NHL team, teams kept three goalies. Do you foresee an NHL future with three goalies, or do you think that it's just an anomaly right now? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. I – I don't think you're going to see it. Why? Because of the pay structure. But a lot of these teams now have their farm system in their own building again. Like in Calgary, we have the they have their AHL team, the Wranglers, that play in the Saddle Dome. And I think you'll see more of that happening. So you don't need to. And then if you have to call a guy up, he's in the same city type thing. Right. So I I don't think you'll see it, but. Uh, I mean, everybody, you know, the goalie position is so important. It still is to this day. And, uh, you know, you don't want to give up an asset, especially for free. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. I do it. Billy Huso wears a mask right now. Mm -hmm. That is a tribute to your 1997 mask. Yes. You know? I noticed I want, that. Did you? Did, I, I was wondering. My question was going to be: How did did he reach out to you at all? Like, have no. you? Did you talk to him? But when? What was your reaction when you saw that? Because it was very well received. No, by fans I think here it's great. Yeah. I I just I I well, when I was in Calgary, uh, Markstrom, yeah, he he did a tribute to me, and he had me on the mask, and then Mike Smith did the same thing. He did. He painted his like my old helmet oh, wow. and oh, yeah. the cage I, over it, and it was very <laughs> cool. Classic. So I thought it. I'm like going, wow, that's neat. So yeah. and it's an honor that they're, I guess, recognizing me or whatever. Who doesn't want a Hall of awesome. Famer's mask? Huh? <laughs> there you Who go. Who doesn't want that? So those things are kind of cool. Yeah. I think. Well, well, you win your 300th game. Yep. On March 26, <laughs> oh, 1997. Boy. Here we go. There it is. I mean, now, this is a moment 
you know, and you know, you're all about the team. I understand that, but the very that's a highlight. 300 games, and you end up fighting Patrick Waugh. Does anybody remember you on your 300th game that game? I don't even remember. <laughs> Honest to God, I did not even know it was my 300th victory because, I mean, I don't really look at the stats except for my like my goals against. I was always a little conscious of that and try to get my save percentage in a right the right spot. But the win loss type thing, it's it would usually take care of itself, but I didn't even know that. And when I did get in the fight with Patrick, I get <laughs> kicked out. I'm in the dressing room, and we have the little stools, and I'm hunched over. I'm just exhausted. I've never been so exhausted in my life. And then Ozzy comes around the corner. Vernie, you got to go back on the ice. I go, not a chance. I got in a fight. I left the crease. I have to be kicked out. Nope, you have to go back in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. So I get dressed and I go back onto the ice and the fans are going crazy, clapping and things like that. And then after the game, I mean, the guys, we came back and won that game. Right. I don't think they had another shot on net. Colorado didn't have another shot on net, I don't think. Well, it's lucky the whole for you time. with the rest yeah, of the game. Yeah, that was great because I played <laughs> awful that move. game. No, but I played awful that game. Let's be frank. I wasn't that good. I was only good in the fight. But anyway, um, and then after, so I, the trainers come up and go, here's here's the puck for any. I go, what's that for? 300. I go, 300 victory? I'm like, wow. This is a memorable one because it's attached to Patrick Waugh fight. So there. <laughs> it, 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 now it's a memorable one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And um, one last question for you from me. Just you were back last year for the 25th anniversary of the 97, 98 Stanley Cup teams. And obviously you were you were here for 97. So you were here on the first night. When you get all those guys together again, the stories that we heard just all weekend long were pretty incredible. But it really felt like you all hadn't been away from each other for that long, which is pretty cool. Well, it is, and uh, we'll always have that bond, and it, it just brings back great memories, right? Yeah. And getting to see everybody, because I don't get to see a lot of these guys during the year and things like that, and uh, so when you do get together, you just reminisce and talk about the good times and uh, – some of the funny stories that you go through and uh, it, it's, it's all in fun and it's uh, it was a great group of guys and, uh, and we'll have that until the day we die. And Art and I really like uh, talking to Kevin Hodson too. That's oh, like, well, he's our, is, yeah. oh, he's classic. Uh, it's he's, incredible. Well, he, he, he should have been, you know, he could have been a writer, he, <laughs> yeah, you know, as the, as the third goalie, he could have wrote a book for crying out loud. <laughs> he should write a book. Or he could have got the camera and filmed the whole thing and we could have done a 30-30 on that whole oh, thing. That, oh man, that would have been wild. I, I'm going to take two questions and put it into one for you because That's there's, all right. there's two things that I... I got nothing but time. Beautiful. I, I, I don't know if we do though but <laughs> but but we really um i have to ask you 97 final you guys stay in a hotel in dearborn before every game ozzy says that he has to pick you up chauffeur you around to and from the hotel and that after every game you insisted on having ice cream that you had to stop for ice cream Is oh this come on ozzy <laughs> I, mean I do like my ice cream i'll give you that and i used to after my pregame meal, I used to make a banana split and eat a banana split. And then I used to go take a nap for three hours or two hours or whatever it was. But uh, when I lived here in Detroit, I was at Bur in Birmingham. 
and there was so much construction going on. As always. And I was kind of, I had mentioned something about it, and the guy from the Townsend Hotel calls and says, you got a room. Every game day, you can you can sleep here. And I'm like, well, that's great. So, And I didn't have air conditioning in my house. I bought this old thatched roof house, stone, leaded windows, very cool house in Birmingham. And I remember my wife even phoning the air conditioning guy and says, oh, yeah, uh, we need some air conditioning and things like that. And he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, it's going to be a while, but why don't I take your name? And he goes, Jane Vernon. And uh, the guy goes, Mike Vernon, the goalie? We'll be there this afternoon <laughs> <laughs> to put it in. So, but I did stay at the Townsend Hotel uh, because it was quiet, air conditioning, and we just had our uh, our first daughter and things like that. So it was nice and peaceful. Right, right. So yeah, I, Ozzy says that he was your chauffeur. So well, we did chauffeur, but you know, once in a while, back and forth. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the legendary. When Detroit wins the cup for the first time in 42 years, that picture, Mike Vernon has a cigar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. How did, I, I know the story, but I'm sure a lot of do people. Do you know the guy? I do not know the guy. This Neither is, do I. So how did, you tell, tell it, how did that happen that you end up with a cigar? I don't know. Some guy has a cigar and throws it over and I catch <laughs> it and it's like, okay, great. I don't know how he knew. Like Wait, I, did you light it? Were I, you able no, to? No, oh. I did not light it, but I, I, uh, I well, lit it after. Yeah. But I, uh. I used to smoke the odd cigar and things like that, but it not often. But uh, no, I thought it was cool. I was I was thinking that maybe I'd get on a cigar aficionado or whatever. <laughs> the there would have been an this. ad, or I would have promoted a cigar company. I yeah, don't know, really? but I got nothing. So we don't know who <laughs> threw you this cigar. It was a fan. And we have never found this fan though. Like no one has ever come forward and said no it was me that no, threw I don't. my. We could solicit it. I now think we we'll need get to. like 300 yeah. people. We got to find this person. No, it was me, Vernie. No, uh, yeah, we're <laughs> we about to get a thousand people. Yeah, I was just going to say, we're about to get a ton of emails about, oh, I did it. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and you never even gave me a puck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vernie, we appreciate your time, and it's always a pleasure to see you here in Detroit. And again, congratulations. Hall Thank of Famer. Thank you. Well deserved. And, you know, I know you're a Flames legend. I know that. But. Once a Red Wing, always a Red Wing. In my book, you're also a Detroit legend. It's always great to catch up with you, Mike. Thank great. you. Thank you very much. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it here, and uh, I love the city. And it was it was an awesome three years of my career. Mike Vernon, everybody, will be back with more on the Red and White Authority. Another big thank you to Mike Vernon for taking the time to join us on the Red and White Authority. And we talked about it a little bit, but Vili Huso actually designed his Red Wings mask based on Mike Vernon's mask that he wore when he won the cup in 1997 here with the wings. So I asked Vili a little bit more about that for today's two minute minor. Daniela Bruce joined now by Red Wings goaltender Vili Huso. Vili, we had Mike Vernon join us on the podcast today and you had created a mask that was representative of the one that Vernon used to wear when he was a Red Wing. Can you talk about the process of designing that mask? Yeah, so like my guy who paints my mask, he's a, he's a big old school uh, goalie guy. So um, it was well, I, I mean, I had a couple options that he gave me, and I, I feel like that was the best one. Um, and then, yeah, he, he did a good job with the painting job, and uh, it was pretty much that uh, Vernon used lightly, lightly different, but basic was like the same, and um, it was, you know, I feel like 
goalie like that, it's uh, you know honor to kind of do a tribute mask like that. Did you know much about Mike Vernon before the mask situation? Well, I, I mean, you always, as a goalie, you you know like you know every goalie pretty much back in the days, you know at least by the name. And uh, but he's you know Stanley Cup champion and you know just like. Hall of Famer now, like he's he's always been a good goalie, and you know, especially when I signed here, I did little research about the Red Wings goalies, and uh, just like have to know a little bit more than you know you do. And um, but he's you know, like I said, awesome goalie when he played, and uh, historic goalie for the Red Wings. You know, it always is intriguing to me the designing the mask process because I think it would be something that's so fun to do as a goalie. Do you feel that way? Uh, it's um, <laughs> I, now it's more like whatever. Like you yeah. know, I mean, still like you pay attention for it. Like, yeah. uh, but I actually do like like the old school kind of like yeah. just the simple like nothing crazy on it, and um, I feel like it just looks looks good for the stands and you know like. Um, but the my guy who paints the mask, he's he's good with that stuff. So he has a lot of ideas, and so I'm I'm usually just picking one out of three. So uh, he, it makes my my life easier. Okay, so what's your favorite goalie mask ever? Like when you look back on all of the history of the NHL, what's the favorite one that you've kind of looked at and said, "Wow, that one's really cool." Well, I feel like the Mike Vernon mask yeah. is for sure top three. Um, there was maybe one. When I played in Finland ten years ago, it was a tribute mask for another goalie. When uh, when they won 1998 in that league, so uh, it was that was a cool cool mask too. But I would say like those two is probably my favorite ones. And uh, um, I mean maybe one of the St. Louis mask was uh, you know old old school style too. And uh, that was that was. I feel like all of them are always nice, so it's it's hard to pick one specific. But I would say the Vernon and the ten years ago uh, triple mask. So as well. you're an old school guy. That's what I'm getting out of this. Well, I just like it's simple, simple, yeah. simple stuff, and you know, it's it's just easy and looks clean. Cool. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You know, Art, I was a little disappointed because if I were a goalie, the best part would be designing my mask. And Billy's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. My guy comes up with great designs. Yeah, I pick, I, I pick one of three. Yeah. So that, that's about <laughs> as far as I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised too because there are a lot of goalies who really put a lot of thought behind their masks or mm -hmm. the history of the city or uh, a certain player that they, you know, that they admired growing up or – you know, a little tribute to something, but, you know, Billy's like, just show me three and I'll pick one. Make it look clean. Yeah, make it look clean <laughs> and old school. And our colors are red and white, jackass. <laughs> Here's your three options. Pick one. Yeah, pick yeah. one. That's so funny. But Billy, his mask is really cool. I do give him that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, I mean, Billy Huso's a really nice guy. I think you can tell by that. And he's really honest. I mean, you know, usually if you ask somebody a question, oh, isn't it exciting? And I would think that would be so cool. So it's efforts to you. They would say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really great. And he was like, no, it's not good. It's not that great. Art, you've been around a long time. Too long. Long, long time. <laughs> Ancient history. Yes. Do you have a favorite goalie mask of all time? Well, I think everybody that grew up when I did, it, it, it's a, 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 a Jerry Cheevers of the Boston uh, Bruins. It's, you know, he, it was all stitches. It looked like Frankenstein's monster. The whole mass is, is stitches. And, you know, I, back then was great because 
I can remember, and I think the last goaltender to wear, not wear a mask in the NHL was Andy Brown of the Red Wings. Mm. And, you know, and that was weird. I mean, you know, if you think about it, think about it today, the way these guys are launching missiles at these fellas. Yeah. Goalies didn't wear masks. Like Jacques Plant was like one of the first, or Terry Sawchuk, and those masks were, you know, I think they probably contributed to concussions. I mean, they were just like hard plastic on your face. And they, I don't know how they were like molded on your face, you know? I don't think there was any give or anything. Like I don't know Terry what it was protecting. Like a Terry mask? Did he, yes. he wore a mask, right? Yes, he, he did. The, at the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. 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 Not yeah. in the beginning. See, right. like the, yeah. Those were kind of, you, you know, like the early 60s, maybe late 50s. And I think Jacques Plant was the first one to do it. But Cheever's mask by far is iconic and classic. You you should look it up. You should have I will. to see I it. I was just looking at, because this is who I think of immediately as Curtis Joseph and the mask that he used oh, Cujo. to design. Oh, Cujo yeah. had great masks and his were cool too. I That's where my mind goes immediately. And I still... Or the Yazi mask, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. A lot definitely. of thought behind that, Chris. <laughs> Give me a helmet with a cage, please. Yeah. <laughs> he put even less thought than Billy did yeah, into yeah. his I mask. don't care. Just protect me. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's red or white, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't I, even have to be. I yeah, don't care. I don't care. care. <laughs> Medicine Hot Tigers. Yeah, if you want to give me orange and black, I'll make it work. That's funny. And... I do think the Mike Vernon look and the style that Billy Huso is wearing right now, I really do like that. I think the clean masks do look really great. Sometimes when you get too much going on on there, it, it might look cool, but that clean, sleek look of Vernon slash Billy's mask is really cool. Well, right, and it goes along with the Red Wing uniform. Let's be honest. I mean, the Red Wings are two co colors, red and white, and it's a very, very clean look. And when you have the winged wheel, that's all you need. It's kind of like Michigan's football helmet. It's mm -hmm. iconic. You don't really need much more. That It speaks for the uniform. The Red Wings with that logo, boom, you almost have to have a clean look. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. And, of course, you had to get your Michigan football drop in there. The number one team in the country? <laughs> Nick Saban. Yeah, it's right. For yeah, yeah, Nick Saban. I, I, I'm shaking in my boots. He was so <laughs> successful in the NFL, Nick Saban. Oh, but Jimmy Harbaugh was. You're, this isn't an NFL game. This yeah, is a know, college all game. All I'm saying is, is when you're looking at coaching, right? You're looking at coaching and they're all saying, oh, you give Nick Saban a month. Okay. And this is probably going to be cut out, so I can just go on and on and on about this. No, you, no. But, but no, I'm just going to no. say, Harbaugh's track record in the NFL is much better than Nick Saban. So, but this you know is what? A college Jim Harbaugh is every bit as good a coach as Nick Saban is, regardless of level. You're, you're Jimmy can do it. confusing me. Because they're not playing in the Super Bowl. They're playing in the college football Well, playoff. they're playing college in California football. in the Rose Bowl, which the first Rose Bowl game ever. Michigan beat Stanford 49 uh, Just I expect record, the same thing to happen. For the record, I really do like J.J. McCarthy. I need to put that out there. I, I know. I know for you For the do. record. I know. He seems, like a really, he seems like a really nice kid. Yeah. Yeah, he does. No, he does. He does yeah. seem like a, a, a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and you know what? And all you need to know about J.J. and the way he throws that football, that Ohio State game when he hit Roman Wilson. I mean, those two, those two Buckeye defenders were right almost there. almost a pick, though. Yeah, but it wasn't because he <laughs> threaded the needle. That's what, that's what made it an NFL I throw. I know, I know. Even I'm, those two, you know, look at those two. I just the, the like two, getting you going. The okay. two Ohio State guys, they were like looking at each other like, hey, man. That was a great throw. There's yeah. nothing we could have done about that. Right. Ryan Day's going to scream at us because that's all he does. But, you know, we, we, we had no... Uh, we had no chance on that. He made a play. Sometimes the opposition makes a play. And that's the biggest thing that sports fans have a tough time getting at is that 
sometimes your opposition's pretty good and they're going to make some plays and there's nothing you can do about it. My apologies crit- to all of our listeners right now. Well, you, you brought- I know it's my fault. I, I under- well, actually, right. you brought it up, but I pointed it I out. I just so said yes, that. my fault. My fault. The wind right. wheel, Michigan's helmet, those are iconic looks. Correct. You're right. They are very iconic looks. I will give you that. And that's about all that's going to make okay. it in, from this segment anyways. Yes, pretty much. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to another edition of the Red and White Authority. We hope you had a great holiday season. and Happy New Year. Enjoy the New Year. That's yes. right. Ring it in properly with some cold, frothy Labatt Blue. Right. And the 5 o'clock start on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's they, right. They, they changed it finally. It's 5 o'clock on New Year's Eve. I know. Eve. Thank goodness. Yes. Finally, a 5 o'clock start. We'll be able to... F- Watch the ball drop and everything. I can't tell you how many New Year's I bring in the New Year's as I'm writing a story and saying, Happy New Year, everyone, in the press room. Yeah, hey, way, way to go. And then go right back to work. Yeah. But not this year. Not this year. We're going to be partying. I'm going to be watching Labatt the ball Blue. go down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you next time.